Welcome to the Hills. I know many are watching online around the world, or you're in person at North Richard Hills, Keller, or West Fort Worth campus. I'm delighted that you are with us. I want to personally endorse our plans for services to celebrate the birth of Christ during Christmas week. Yes, we are having candlelight services on the 23rd and 24th. Not only do I hope you'll make it a priority, I hope you'll invite someone. No one gets offended in the Christmas season about being invited to a candlelight service. And I can make you a promise. The gospel will be declared at our candlelight services. You're thinking, well, but I was going to come with my family. That's why we're having it on two days. You can come one day with your family and one day with your friend. Hey, I have to listen to the same sermon three times every Sunday. You can listen to the same sermon two times one week a year, okay? I think it'll be a great blessing. And then, of course, on Christmas Day, uh, our friend Max Licato has a special message just for us. And so you can celebrate with your family and make time to remember the reason for the season. And that's what I love about this month. I love preaching the gospel this month, reminding people of the reason for the season. That's why of all the Christmas decorations, probably my favorite personally, tend to be nativity scenes because they are that reminder of why we're doing all this celebrating. Now, we've all seen a traditional nativity scene, but you understand there is no divinely sanctioned handbook declaring the official authorized version of a nativity scene. Because Jesus is the savior of the world, nativity scenes tend to reflect the culture in which they are depicted. So for example, our Native American friends in Canada would have a nativity that would look something like this. Whereas our good friends in Mexico would have a nativity that would look something like this. And in India, they're celebrating Christmas with a nativity that looks something like this, which is different than the one you might find in parts of Africa, which is going to be different than one you might find in parts of Asia, because the gospel connects to every culture. Even millennials have their own nativity scene <laughs> with segues and Amazon boxes and Joseph and Mary taking a selfie. But here's something we know about nativity scenes, no matter where you find them. Some things will be in common, like Joseph and Mary and a baby and shepherds and wise men and animals. But also something to be in common, and that is they all fail to include a dragon. You won't find a nativity scene anywhere in the world that includes a dragon. But let me assure you, a dragon was there. You see, typical nativity scenes uh, depict the birth of Jesus from earth's perspective, using Matthew or Luke as their inspiration. But this December, we're looking at the depiction of the birth of Jesus from heaven's perspective by looking at the revelation that was given to the apostle John. And we're doing that because we need to remember just how truly cosmic the Christmas event actually is. And so we're going to read again from Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to look at what the angels saw when Jesus was born. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. 
Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child. The moment he was born, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. And then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Now, I love Christmas carols because I think they have some of the strongest theology of all of our hymns. But we know that Christmas song writers typically use some poetic license. For example, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Well, it may have been a silent night in Bethlehem, the night that Jesus was born. But let me tell you, in the unseen realm, all was not calm. John takes us behind the curtain to see that a cosmic conflict is being waged and that the coming of Jesus took the war to a whole new level. He lets us know what the angels know, that Christmas is messy. I know we like to depict Christmas as idyllic and genteel, but the truth is, just from a reading of Matthew and Luke's accounts, Christmas was birthed in messiness. They tell a story of a scandalous pregnancy. Of a young couple of meager means. I don't know what the poverty line was, but they lived below it. A hard trip out of town for a birth in a place where no mother wants her baby to be born. Nobody posts a picture of their newborn in a feeding trough. And then there's this maniacal despot who was threatened at the news. And this young couple have to leave their own country and their family and be asylum seekers in a foreign land. And then there is the unspeakably horrific account of the murder of little boys in an entire village. This was the first Christmas. And John lets us in on the source of all this darkness and evil. A lurking dragon. Remember what they heard? Woe to the earth, for the devil has gone down to you. We live in dragon territory. And we need to see the earth from heaven's perspective. 
Christmas is not a season for faking some kind of shallow cheeriness and just pretending that everything is okay. If everything was okay, we wouldn't even have had a Christmas. The world is broken. Evil is rampant. Injustice abounds. And the innocent suffer. But into all this darkness, there has come a light. You see, Bethlehem was an invasion. It was heaven establishing a beachhead. It was the arrival of the only one who could slay the dragon. And John knows it will help us cope with all the darkness around us if we get a glimpse of what is going on above us. And here's one thing going on. A rain is being disputed. We don't call it Jesus must. We call it Christ must. Jesus is his name. Christ is not his last name. It is his title. The anointed one. The king. That's what we're celebrating. That's what disturbed Herod. He did not dispatch a bunch of soldiers to Bethlehem to murder baby boys because he felt threatened by a life coach. He felt threatened by the news that someone has been born who is claiming a sovereignty that supersedes his own. And what the dragon has been doing ever since is using government and powerful people to suppress the knowledge of the sovereignty of Jesus. About 15 years ago, I was asked to join a team of Christian leaders in America to have talks with government officials in China about allowing more religious freedom in that country. We met with the minister of religion of the entire country. We met with the equivalent of China's secretary of state. And in each meeting, we were told that China practices freedom of religion. It's in the Constitution that there is an official sanctioned church that China supports. And it's true. What's also true is that almost all the Christians in China attend the underground church. Because the official church is only allowed to teach certain things. And veteran missionaries in China will tell you one of the things the official church cannot teach is the book of Revelation. Because the Chinese government knows the big theme of that book. That no Babylon, that no emperor, that no Caesar gets to tell the Christian, you first give your allegiance to me. That every government must bow to the sovereignty of King Jesus. Jesus didn't come just to redeem he came to rule. The reason for the season came for a reason. Listen again to what the angel said to Mary. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. And this is what disturbed Herod. When the wise men come to Jerusalem and they ask the question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. And we have come to worship him. You see, the serpent has always known that the scepter does not rightfully belong to him. 
And while he totally failed in keeping King Jesus from coming, he has succeeded in keeping many from recognizing the sovereignty he came with. And that is why this season all over the world, we will celebrate Christmas with bows, but not so much with bows. We will have parties, we'll shop a lot, we'll eat great food, and rarely invite the king to join us. You see, in any culture, you're going to have to stand up to the dragon And you're going to have to be resilient in your surrender to the reign of Christ. Because we live in dragon territory. But we don't have to live as victims. We can live in victors. Because the second big idea that John saw was that our enemy can be defeated. And I love the song that John heard. Because it's about us. About you and me. About the body of Christ. Listen again to this song. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to earth, the one who accused them before our God day and night. And they've defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And John is saying that as Christians, we have been equipped with cosmic weaponry with which we can defeat the dragon, starting with the blood of the lamb. You see, apparently there was a time when Satan was allowed to hang out in heaven. You can read in the first two chapters of the book of Job, and there is Satan in the very presence of God in the courtroom of heaven. And he is assailing the loyalty of the people on earth who serve God. Why was he allowed to be there and do that? Because his accusations were true. His accusations were tolerated because they could be validated. Everything he said about us as sinners was absolutely true. This is God's great dilemma. I'm a just God. I cannot be in the presence of sin. How can I hold on to my justice and show mercy to sinners who justly deserve to die for their rebellion? This is what Christmas is about. And God's answer was the God-man, not half God, half man, fully God, fully man. Jesus of Nazareth, who could live the life we were meant to live, an absolutely obedient life, an absolutely sinless life. And then he could take the punishment deserved by sinners upon himself and offer them his righteousness. And so at the cross... God is able to throw the accuser out of his presence and his court because his accusations don't stand up anymore. That when Jesus is lifted up, the serpent is cast down. And the very blood that evicted him is inviting us into the presence of God. I'm doing some good preaching right now. Let me know. This is why Christmas is such good news. Listen again to the Hebrew writer. And so, dear brothers and sisters, 
we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You see, the sureness of their salvation gave a boldness to their confession. Still does. All over the world, right now, Christians are defying the dragon and declaring who the rightful king is. And some of them are paying a tremendous price to do so. I mentioned about a month ago a man named Richard Wormbrun. He was a pastor in Romania when it was under a communist regime. Spent much of his life in prison. He wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. He had this chapter or this paragraph in the book that I found inspiring. It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. You see what the king has done is he's come into dragon territory and he has deactivated the dragon's best weapon. What can the dragon do? All he can do is threaten to kill you. Notice what it said. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. Because he says they didn't love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. In the book of Revelation, the word martyr and the word witness are the exact same Greek word. And what you have happening all over the world are people standing up to the dragon saying, all you can do is kill me, but I'm not afraid to die. So he does. Revelation 6, 9 when the lamb broke his fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who'd been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. And the number of souls under the martyr is still growing. You heard me say recently, on average, every day in the world today, over 10 Christians are martyred. They lose their life for the sake of holding fast to their testimony. And the dragon can take their lives. But their testimony is taking back the ground the dragon once held. Because the Christians know their death is not their end. You see, we need to see Christmas from Earth's perspective and understand that we're in a conflict we can't escape. But we need to see Christmas from Heaven's perspective and realize we are in a conflict we cannot lose. That this war has been decided. You notice that the dragon could not conquer Heaven. And he knows he cannot hold Earth. Don't miss that little line that was so important in that song. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Read the Gospels. No demon ever comes up to Jesus and says, you can't make me. But demons do come up to Jesus and ask, 
Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? The demons tremble and flee at the mention of his name, King of Majesty. And here's the irony. Even though the dragon and the demons know who the king is, they are fully committed to duping you and me into not knowing that. But they know how this conflict is going to end. And in the power and sweetness of the Holy Spirit, John was given a revelation of the final battle to give to us to encourage us. You can read about it in Revelation 9, but let me just give you a quick summary. The king of kings shows up on a white horse. Now, that's significant. In that culture, when a king went off to war on his war horse and he won the victory, he came back to celebrate on a white horse. Jesus is on a white horse before the battle because he's already won it. And he's got blood on his robe. It's not the blood of the enemy. It's his blood. The blood that he shed that evicted the serpent from heaven. The blood that washes away sin. The blood that makes it possible for people to enter into the very presence of God. And here's the coolest thing. There is no battle. King of kings speaks. Battle is over. And the end result is that the dragon is hurled down one more time. First time he was hurled down from heaven to earth. Next time he will be hurled from earth to a lake of fire where he will never be allowed to terrorize the earth again. And on that day, the sovereignty of King Jesus will be recognized all over the world. But cosmic Christians do it right now. Even in a dark, hard, messy world, even in dragon territory, cosmic Christians recognize the true king. I think I've told before the story of General Jonathan Wainwright, captured by the Japanese in World War II. Because of his high rank, he was treated worse than most of the other prisoners of war. In his own words, he was a broken, starving man. Then the Japanese surrendered. A colonel was dispatched to the camp to tell General Wainwright he was now in charge. Going back to his barracks, some of his guards that used to torment him tried again to harass him. He bowed up and said strongly, no. I am in charge now, and these are my orders. It makes a complete difference how you deal with your surroundings when you know the, how the war ends. Like I said, it really helps to deal with what's going on around us when we know what's going on above us. And understanding the cosmic dimensions of Christmas doesn't mean that we get to live a tribulation-free life. It means that we can live a tribulation-proof life because nothing the dragon can do can undo what our king has done. And so we overcome. Even though we live in dragon territory because we know the dragon is no match for the lamb. Yeah, life is messy. But lamb power is mighty. And that was John's Christmas message. Trust the lamb. And by the way, we overcome the dragon the same way the lamb did. By self-giving love. 
What the Lamb taught us is that love is stronger than hate. Good is stronger than evil. Light is greater than darkness. There is no power in the cosmos stronger than selfless sacrifice. Some of you are old enough to remember 1968. Though it was in international waters, the USS Pueblo was attacked by the North Korean Navy. Some soldiers were injured. The Pueblo had to uh, allow itself to be taken. And for almost a year, over 80 men of the Navy endured horrific treatment. One of the stories that comes out of that was 13 sailors were taken and put in a room and told to sit around a table rigidly for hours. After about three hours, the door flung open. A North Korean soldier with a rifle took the butt and began to savagely beat the sailor in the first chair. The second day, the same door came open, and again, the same sailor was beaten with the butt of a rifle. Third day, the same thing. By this point, the sailors understand what's happening. They also know their friend cannot take another beating. So the fourth day, the soldier came in, and a different sailor was in that first chair. And every day, they would put a different sailor in that chair to take the beating for the rest of his friends. This went on for weeks. And finally, the North Korean captors gave up. Because they could not conquer such selfless sacrifice. The dragon chooses the love of power. And the lamb chooses the power of love. And the lamb is mightier than the dragon. Remember that this Christmas. Life is hard. Pain is real. Evil is rampant. But into the darkness a light has come. And because of Jesus we can overcome not by hating and by fighting, but by loving and by dying and by trusting that what King Jesus started at Bethlehem, he is going to bring to a finish. And so again, church, here's my word. Have yourself a merry cosmic Christmas. Let's bow. So God, we thank you for the season. We thank you that we can make space to laugh, to be with friends and family, to enjoy good food. But we also know, God, that life is hard. In fact, some hearing my prayer right now are in a really tough place. Thank you that we don't have to put on fake smiles and pretend that pain is not real and that loss is not felt. But thank you for giving us a glimpse into a bigger story. And thank you for telling us how the story ends. So help us these next couple of weeks to live more cosmically. More aware of what King Jesus has done. What he's doing. And what he's going to do. Deliver us from giving in to the pool of the darkness. And help us to be a witness to the light. Help us to believe the Lamb is mightier than the dragon. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.